Good evening. If you go ahead and open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to start out this evening in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 and 23. So if you remember two weeks ago, if you were with us two weeks ago on Sunday night, we asked the question, what is church? And we ended up concluding that every time the Bible uses the word church, Uh, The word ekklesia is being translated, the Greek word ekklesia, and that simply is referring to people. It's simply referring to a group of Christians. And so as we talk about church, we discovered that every time we use the word church, we need to be referring to people. And so uh, then that means that God's house, God's dwelling place is in his church, in his people. Uh, this is not, this building is not God's house. We are God's house. We are God's church. But what's interesting and what I want to consider tonight is how the Bible uses the word church to refer to God's people really in two different ways. The Bible refers to the, and uses the word church or assembly to refer to God's people in a local sense and in a universal sense. And I think this discussion is very, very, very significant because oftentimes we forget that there are two distinct types of bodies being spoken of, two types of distinct churches being spoken of throughout the Bible. And sometimes we can end up blending these concepts of church into a unified idea that really ends up, we will see, uh, confusing ideas about what it's like to have fellowship with God, what it's like to have fellowship with God's people, and really even how we are saved. So it's kind of a little uh, taste of what we're going to be talking about tonight. And so our goal this evening is to understand these two different types of churches so we don't confuse how we have fellowship with God what it means for us to have fellowship with other believers, and how we are ultimately saved. And this is important so that we don't confuse ourselves as we use the word church and as we think about who we are in relation to God, in relation to other Christians that we worship with. But it's also important so that we don't confuse uh, other people that we talk to, because that oftentimes is the most damaging way that I've made this mistake, and maybe we've all made these mistakes. And so our desire tonight is to understand how God saves and restores sinners to himself and understand it with this concept of the word church. But what I want to begin with tonight is an example of how I have heard the word church used in my life. And what I hope this example will be is Tonight, as we're studying, we'll kind of go back to this example and we'll ask, is this actually a biblical usage of the word church? Uh, As we talk about these things tonight, we might find that we ourselves have made these mistakes. And so we'll just kind of go into this. I'll go into this with an open mind and I hope we'll all go into this with an open mind. So here's the example. Is he a member of the church? There is only one church. The Church of Christ. We are members of the Church of Christ in Dallas. If he isn't a member of the Church of Christ, he isn't saved. 
So what I want for us to consider tonight as we compare these ideas of the universal and local church, I want first for us to consider if this is a biblical usage of the word church. And so keeping this statement kind of in the back of our minds, we'll bring it up at other various times, let's go ahead and move on to consider the Bible's two usages of the word church. And we're going to start out here in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 23. And what I want for us to consider first is the universal church, the way the Bible speaks about uh, a universal church. Uh, just notice the passage with me here in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22 to 23. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Notice that word assembly that's used there in verse 23. That is the same word that we talked about two weeks ago, ecclesia, that is normally translated as church. It simply is just fine. A translation, assembly, church, group, is any uh, proper translation that you can use. And I believe here in verses 22 through 23, we have really an excellent description of what the universal church is. It is simply, the, the writer describes this church or assembly as... All people whose names are enrolled in heaven. And with the context, considering how he's just finished Hebrews 11, which is this cloud of witnesses that he refers to uh, even at the beginning of chapter 12, I believe that then that would mean that the universal church includes all souls who are saved, whether physically dead or physically alive. And that's a significant thing to think about. Because while the Bible, what's interesting is the Bible never uses this phrase. You might hear this phrase that I'm using, universal church, and say, well, I've never read that in the Bible, Scott. And it's true that phrase is never used. But it is an adjective that I believe describes, or a phrase that I believe describes, a very biblical concept. Because there is a very biblical concept referred to throughout scriptures of there being one body of all people who are saved. One church that includes all people who are saved, whether they are dead or alive. Consider Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. Jesus says that he gave himself up for the church. That's not referring to a local body of believers, is it? That's not referring to just the people here in this room. That is referring to the universal church, the church of all of God's saved people. In Matthew chapter 16, in verse 18, Jesus says that he is going to build his church. Not referring to a building, not referring to a local body of believers, but referring to how he is going to build his church more in a universal, global sense. Uh, if you, and global might not even be correct because that would just connote that you have to be physically alive. And so more of a universal uh, sense. And so I believe that Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 22 through 23 here really give us a good description. The universal church is simply all living and dead whose names are written in heaven. It's God's group of saved people. But separate and apart from this idea of the universal church, the universal assembly of all the saved, whether dead or alive, is this idea of local churches. And we don't have to spend a lot of time on that concept because it's actually a pretty simple concept. When Paul writes in 
1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 1 to the uh, church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about one local body of believers in Thessalonica. Uh, when we studied Corinthians this morning, Paul was writing to one local body of believers in Corinth. So there is one, there are many local churches, and they are separate and apart from this idea of the universal church. And what's interesting to me is that when Paul uses the word church, I believe he's always either referring to this universal body of believers or a local body of believers, and there's never any other usages of the word church or assembly or to refer to God's people in any other way. Are we always this clear in our language? Consider our example that we began with tonight. Is he a member of the church? There is only one church, the Church of Christ. We are members of the Church of Christ in Dallas. If he isn't a member of the Church of Christ, he isn't saved. I want us to consider, is that really a very clear statement? Is it very obvious what type of church this person is referring to? Are they referring to a universal or local idea of the word church? Well, it's not very clear. Because in the beginning, it seems that they're clearly talking about a universal idea. They said there's one church. But then there are many mistakes that are made, and including that, they kind of blend this idea of the universal church being connected with their local church there in Dallas, as if their church comprises the universal church or is a part of the universal church. It's kind of confusing, isn't it? The statement is, if we consider how the Bible only uses the word church or assembly to refer to groups of God's people in a universal and local sense. I believe that's the first takeaway that we need to uh, consider tonight, is that the, the first problem with this statement is that it's very unclear because it tries to blend this idea of the universal and local church and say they're really kind of one thing in a type of sense. We need to be more clear than that in our language. We really need to strive that whenever I'm using the word church or referring to groups of God's people, I need to either be referring to a local body of believers or the universal church and there is nothing else. If we're using the word church to refer to any other type of entity or idea, that doesn't really match with how the Bible uses the word church and, or refers to God's people or refers to groups of Christians. And it really can confuse people. We might be thinking, well, why is this so important? How are these two types of churches so distinct that it's so important that we not confuse them? I think it'd be helpful for us to spend a few minutes then comparing the universal and local church and going ahead and nailing down a few differences that these churches have so we understand the importance of this. Consider first how the universal and local ideas of, of local bodies of, or of, bodies of believers uh, really are different in number when we talk about universal church and local church. Uh, meaning that when Paul refers to the universal church in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 4 and says there's one body, he's saying there is one universal church. There's only one group, one big group of God's people. But this is certainly not true as we talk about local churches, is that? Is it? 
There are many local churches. And so consider, if I were to say, there is one church, the Church of Christ, would that be a correct statement? Certainly, there is one universal church, and it does belong to Christ, which is really just how we should use that phrase, Church of Christ. But oftentimes when I hear this phrase or this, this statement being made, it is very clear that someone is not referring to the universal group of God's safe people, but more to a blended concept of all local bodies of believers that have Church of Christ in the sign are the one church. See how that was done? Local and universal concepts were just blended. All local churches that meet at a building with Church of Christ on the sign comprise the universal church, and that is not true in the slightest. It's just simply not the case at all. It's not a biblical concept. In reality, there are many local churches, and they are that's a separate concept from the idea of the universal church. And we need to be very careful then to make sure that we don't blend the ideas of the universal and local church, because then if I blend these ideas and I say there's one local church and it's the church of Christ, a.k.a. there's one church and it's my local church, what have we just done? We say that to someone else and we have just exploded everything that they ever thought or knew. We have not only spoken untruly, we have shunned them, we have sent them away. They, they are not even going to want to talk to us anymore if we say something like that, uh, let alone the fact that it's simply not factual. That's the impression that we give when we say there's one church, the Church of Christ. And I hope we recognize that that's the impression we give when we blend these concepts. And so uh, what I want for us then to consider is, and we could actually say, consider for a moment how we could actually say that this local church that meets here is not a part of the universal church. Now, why is it that we can say that? Well, that's because there's another difference between universal and local ideas of bodies of believers. It's because the universal church is made up of people and not of churches. It's not made up of churches, and it's not made up of denominations. Remember, the word church just means assembly. It just refers to groups of people. And so the universal church is just simply comprised of individuals, not of denominations, not of churches. And so if I were to say, well, the Lutheran church is condemned, and the church of Christ is saved, that would be an incorrect statement. Because what it says is God decides who is saved based on the local church you're affiliated with. And that's not a biblical concept at all. And that's why we can say then that not every, not that this local church is not a part of the universal church because God makes his decisions on an individual basis. Why is it though that we could say that not every Christian in our group here is saved. Why could we say that not every Christian that normally meets with us is in God's local and God's universal group of believers? Well, that's because there's different types of people in these bodies. 
See, Hebrews chapter 12, we noticed in verses 22 to 23, makes it very clear that the universal body of believers is comprised of all saved people. Is that true in a local church? No. Uh, consider 1 Corinthians chapter 5. That man in sexual immorality in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that shouldn't have been in their assembly but was. Was he a part of the universal church simply because he was uh, affiliated and had fellowship with uh, faithful Christians? No. And in fact, we, see, we could see in Revelation chapter 3 that Sardis, the church in Sardis, was actually even worse. Uh, most of the people actually, if you remember in Sardis in Revelation chapter 3, most of the people were actually not saved, not a part of God's universal church in that congregation. But God says there's a few, there's a few who have not soiled their garments. So does that mean then that those few people who had not soiled their garments, did that mean that they were not a part of the universal church because they were a part of a uh, church of people that was really very unfaithful to Christ? No. That doesn't mean that in the slightest. They were, of course, still in a relationship with God. That's because, though the universal church is comprised of all people, all Christians, Christians who are saved, and that's kind of a redundant statement, but all who are secure in heaven, whether dead or alive here on earth, Local churches aren't comprised of those people. Local churches are only comprised of people who claim to be faithful Christians. Important distinction. And the reason why that's the case is because there are really two different people or types of uh, uh, persons that add to the universal church and the local and local churches. Uh, consider uh, Acts chapter two and verse forty-one says. Uh, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 47, you can notice, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Who adds to the universal church? The Lord adds to the universal church. No man adds to the universal church. Only God does this. God saves people not people. But is that true of local bodies of believers? Does God make the decision about uh, who a local church uh, associates themselves with and has fellowship with? No, not really, though we use God's standards to make those decisions. We're the people who make those decisions. Uh, consider Acts chapter 9 and verse 26. Here in the context, Paul has been a Christian for years at this time. He has been a part of God's universal body of believers. But notice in Acts chapter 9, verse 26, he has trouble uh, joining a local body of believers. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were afraid of him, for they did not believe he was a disciple. So here initially, Paul is actually rejected at a local church, even though he's a part of un the universal church. Did that mean that Paul was now extracted from God's universal church? Does that mean that Paul is no longer saved? Well, certainly not at all. Simply means that he no longer had, he did not currently have fellowship with a local body of believers. That did not condemn him because they turned him away. In the same way, we already said in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, that not everyone there was saved. There was one man who, though he had been added to a local church, he was not added to God's universal church. And though we don't like it, this kind of stuff happens all the time. 
God doesn't make mistakes in his membership. We make mistakes in who we fellowship with. And that's not, that, that's not to criticize us or anything like that. That's just the way it is. Because uh, we can't all know exactly what's going on in everyone's life 24-7. We can't know what's going on in everybody's hearts. There are some people who assemble with us on a regular basis who are not in God's universal church. I don't know who they are, and you don't know who they are either. It just kind of happens sometimes. And so not everyone here is always is necessarily because they assemble with us saved. And even not everybody who doesn't assemble with us here in Palm Beach County is not saved. Why? Because local bodies of believers do not save. God saves. God has fellowship with people. This is because while local groups of Christians are focused on promoting fellowship with God, being a member with a local group of Christians only means that one has fellowship with other Christians. It doesn't mean one has fellowship with God. Certainly, it is very important that we work and worship with a local group of Christians, and those who reject that do not have God's love in them at all. But fellowship with God in the universal church is not accomplished by one's fellowship with the local body of believers, because local churches don't save and add to the universal church. God adds individuals to the universal church and has fellowship with them. So those are three differences, uh, maybe a few more sprinkled in there that you might see. Um, and there's definitely a lot more differences. There's definitely a few more differences, but I want to kind of leave it at that as far as differences for the moment. And I want for us to make some conclusions then about the things we've studied uh, so far. And maybe that will help crystallize some of these ideas in our mind and more kind of attack where we've made, where I, myself, and we've all maybe made some of these mistakes in our speaking and in our thinking. Some of these we've already gone over, and so we'll just state them and then move on. Five conclusions. First, God adds to the universal church, not local churches. And, that's because, and, and the simple truth that goes along with that is local churches make mistakes in fellowship, and God does not. Second conclusion the universal church is comprised of individuals, not comprised of churches, and not comprised of denominations. And then, uh, I think especially significant, if one is a member with a local church of Christ, uh, that does not mean one is a part of the universal church. And... If one is a part of a, if one is not a part of a local group, uh, or one is, sorry, if one is a part of a local group of believers who don't have Church of Christ on the sign of their building, that does not mean that they are outside of the universal church. And we can easily conclude this because fellowship with other believers, with particular groups of believers, does not necessarily equal fellowship with God. God adds to the universal church and is the only one who can do so. That does not mean I am at all condoning working and worshiping with people who do not promote gospel truths or that teach false gospel message. I'm simply saying, though, it's important for us to recognize that association with a particular approved group of local group of people does not associate us with God, does not associate us with Christ's universal church. Fourth, 
Our goal then is not to convert people to our local body of believers. Our goal is to convert people to Christ so God can add them to his universal church. And if someone ends up joining us after they join God's universal church, then that's wonderful. Uh, And that's the case because I really love it when people join with the group of people that I work and worship with because... um, I, I believe we here, especially uh, here in this room, we really here strive to teach the truth. And many local groups, many local groups don't always do that. Many local groups don't teach the truth about salvation. Many local groups focus more on entertainment and philanthropic purposes than on saving and sanctifying souls and teaching God's word. But beside the point... The simple truth is that my goal is not to convert people to this local church, regardless of how much I love you guys and how much uh, I love our local body of believers. My goal is to help someone abandon idolatry, abandon false teachings about Christ and about the gospel and about salvation, and get on board with Jesus Christ. And so let's focus on that. When we teach people and when we talk to people, let's not just try to and let's not try to sell them on our local body of believers first. Let's try to get them sold on Christ first. Let's get them uh, in love with Christ. Show them how great Christ is. Show them how great it is to love and obey Christ. And then, as they learn about Christ and learn about His commandments, they will desire to obey His commandments, and they will desire to have fellowship with Christians who uh, believe and obey what Jesus teaches. And if that happens to be this local body of believers, then that is absolutely wonderful. And so that would be a helpful thing for us to focus on as we teach people and as we consider talking amongst one another. Fifth conclusion. If someone then leaves our local assembly and in so doing, they have embraced a false gospel or a sinful rebellion, if that is the result of that, if that's why they've left our assembly, is to embrace a false gospel or embrace sinful rebellion, then we will seek to restore them to Christ. We're not restoring them to our church or to the Lord's church or whatever type of phrases sometimes uh, I can make the mistake of using. Uh, Instead, we're just restoring them to Jesus Christ. Uh, sometimes uh, people will say things like, well, John fell away from the Lord's church. Uh, If someone embraces sinful rebellion or embraces a false gospel, they've not fallen away from a local body of believers. They've fallen away from Jesus Christ. And that's the significant idea that we need to consider. When someone is baptized, they join Christ. When someone embraces sinful rebellion, they leave Christ. It's not just that they leave a local body of believers and leave our fellowship. The most significant thing is that they do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that is primarily significant. I believe then that these conclusions uh, should lead us then to go back to this original statement that we considered and consider uh, yet again uh, maybe another mistake that is made here. So the original statement, Is he a member of the church? There is only one church, the Church of Christ. We are members of the Church of Christ in Dallas. If he isn't a member of the Church of Christ, he isn't saved. 
So we notice that the first problem with the statement is that it's unclear in how it mixes universal and local ideas. It's not even clear what type of church it's referring to. It's more a self-created, blended concept of church. It's second faulty because it causes people to believe that there's only one true local church, and that's simply not the case. And third, and I think most significantly, it's... It's faulty because it causes us to think that one's affiliation with a local group of Christians is what's most important. Asking if someone is a member of the Church of Christ, or uh, sometimes uh, we might say the Lord's Church, really just in reference to do they affiliate themselves with a local body of believers that have Church of Christ on the sign of their building, uh, that's not the significant thing. And honestly... We shouldn't really care primarily if that's the case. Because primarily what is most important is if they are a faithful Christian. If they are a baptized, faithful believer. It is not significant to me when someone comes up to me and says, I am a member of the Church of Christ, not only because that's a faulty denominational way of speaking, but also because... It's not what's significant. It does not mean they have fellowship with God. What is most significant, and the question we need to be asking if we're trying to make a statement like this or ask a question like what this person is really, what this really, what this person really should be asking is, is this person a baptized, faithful follower of Jesus Christ? And the secondary question should be, are they, do they have fellowship with a local group of believers in which they are working and worshiping with them on a regular basis? And, and it's, a, it's a good group of believers that are supporting their faith. But that is not, that second question is not a statement that, that the, the answer to it necessarily connotes us as trying to think of the right way to say this. It does not necessarily mean the answer to that statement does not necessarily mean that we are in or out of God's universal church. The first question is what's my most and primarily important. This may all seem kind of picky, but I hope you see that it is for very, very good reason. There is, there are huge, there's huge significance to this. It's because we need to understand in our own minds how we're saved and what it means for us to work and worship with one another. We need to understand the difference between working and worshiping with other Christians and having fellowship with other Christians and the difference between that and having fellowship with God. We need to make sure then also that our words don't convey false concepts as we speak about these things. We don't want to convey to people that something uh, is more, that uh, fellowship with a local group of believers is the most significant thing when it is not. We need to recognize also that there is no local church or undenominational coalition of approved churches that sometimes people refer to as the church or the church of Christ or the Lord's church that exists. There's no such thing. There's only a local body of believers and a a universal uh, uh, body of believers. You notice how I mixed universal and uh, local there, eucal. I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, see, I'm already making the mistake myself. <laughs> and we'll help people a lot if we won't use these phrases because it confuses people along with the fact that it simply is just not the case. 
Uh, and I believe this has significance in two directions, two kind of take home significant reasons why we need to talk about these things. Uh, first, we would all probably be rich if we had a dollar for every time someone conveyed to us that they were a faithful Christian because of their, the local group that they were associated with. This false confidence that they have uh, in their salvation because of the local body of believers that they associate themselves with was probably taught to them by someone else who was probably good-meaning but wrong. And so now they've got a false concept of what it means to have fellowship with God. They were taught by someone that, who made it sound like membership with the local church equals salvation. And that's just not the case. And we don't want to convey that to people. And so that's, why, that's the first reason why I believe this is a significant discussion for us to have. Second, I think we'd all also be very rich if we had a dollar for every time we heard someone who will not study with a Christian because someone mistakenly told them that if you aren't a member of the Church of Christ, you're going to hell. And not only is that not an untrue statement, or not only is that an untrue statement, it runs off people and it has lost me and probably you yourself many, many opportunities with people. Not as much down here because I don't hear people around here say that. I've not heard that once. Someone say that here once in the two years I've been here, but you hear that a lot sometimes, especially up in the South. Uh, people will say things like that and it ruins opportunities and opportunities then are lost because uh, someone conveyed to them that their local church saves souls, and they know more than the person who said a statement like that because they know that's not true, and they're just going to reject you outright even though we're good meaning and everything like that. We've probably, we've probably all made mistakes like these, but I know that we all have the heart that desires to bring people to Christ. And so let's pursue that. Let's pursue clarity with our words and... Let's bring Christ to the world so the world can have fellowship with him and join his universal church. Then, then once they have fellowship with the universal church, they will, we will have a relationship with them that is far superior than one that is simply based on, on physical relationships here, but it's based on something far more meaningful, far more in-depth. It's based on our mutual enjoyment of and fellowship with Jesus Christ. I hope these things are helpful to you as we consider salvation, as we consider what it really means for us to work together. And as you consider these concepts, if you recognize that in your own life that, well, I've just kind of thought about salvation as being affiliated with a local group of believers, and I've not really thought about my need for me to truly have a personal relationship with God on top of having a relationship with other local uh, with a local group of believers. We want to help you make that right in your own life. And if there's any way that we can help you further understand these things, if you want to talk about these things more, I am so open to these things. And maybe if I've made a mistake, you can talk to me about that as well. Uh, we're going to sing a song. And if there's any way we can help you in your walk with God in any of these ways, please come forward to the front as we stand and as we sing.